Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So far, it's so good to be with you this morning. Um, my name's Barry, I'm campus pastor at Taramara and it's great to have you and welcome to everyone who's online. We're in a series on the dimensions of forgiveness. Uh, last Saturday, uh, we had a little working bee at, at Taramara where we're clearing the area for our new playground. It's taken a little while for us to get to there, but um, we had 13 people just working hard on our 160 square metre space for our future playground and we're looking forward to having that done one day and we'll invite you up to celebrate when it's in. But uh, one of the things that we did at the afterwards, um, my little family said, let's just go to Manly. Uh, let's go to lunch at Manly. So we, so we went over to Manly and we did the cabbage, um, cabbage path walk. What's it called? Cabbage Tree Bay walk. And I've uh, got to get the names right, yeah. And uh, while we were doing that walk, heading over to Shelley Beach, there was um, a pot of dolphins uh, just jumping out of the water. And there was just crowds of people just checking out the pot of dolphins. It was just beautiful. It was a lovely day. Um, and in this series, it, it, it sort of helped set me up because the next day I had a couple of questions for the Taramara crew. And I want to ask you these questions too. Do you think that dolphins forgive sharks for killing their friends? They don't, do they? <laughs> what about possums? Do possums forgive dogs for chasing them up trees? <laughs> they don't. In the animal world, there isn't forgiveness. But what about amongst people, humanity? Is there forgiveness? And do we need forgiveness? And is forgiveness something that's a part of our life? You know, it's interesting that the English singer-songwriter, who's a fantastic singer, Adele, sang a song um, uh, in her album called 30. One of the songs in that is called um, My Little Love. And she sings this beautiful song to her nine-year-old son, a Angelo, about his parents' divorce. It's about Adele's divorce. And in the words of this song, she says this, I feel so bad to be where I am. I'm so guilty. I'm so far gone. And you're the only one who can save me. And what Adele is singing about in that song is something that she was experiencing. She was experiencing guilt. She, she just felt so bad and so rotten that what was going on in her relationship and what impact that was going to have on, on, her, on her beautiful boy, Angelo. And, and guilt is something that, we can experience and sometimes it can be so bad and we just don't know what do we do with our guilt how do we handle it what where, where do we go with it and how can we uh, get through it and she was actually looking to her son Angelo as the one to save her from her guilt and it's interesting she's longing for forgiveness she's longing for her guilt to be dealt with but she's also recognizing that she needs Salvation. She needs a saviour. She needs someone to rescue her out of this pit of guilt that she's experiencing. Whether you're watching, uh, whether you're watching online today or whether you're in the room, I've got some good news for us. And the good news is that there is a way through our guilt. There's a way through uh, our remorse. And, 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 and for some of us, it can be guilt. Some of us, it could be shame. But the good news is there's a way forward. And part of the reason we're doing this series is because forgiveness 
is so important for our relationship with God, but also our relationship with each other. And it's so important for our own heart. And so today we're looking at this vertical dimension of forgiveness in this forgiveness series. The forgiveness that God offers us. There are two types of guilty people. One type of guilty person is a person who, is, um, who, who experiences and feels guilt, but ought not to. This is a person who can often have high expectations of themselves and perhaps have other people have high expectations of them as well. And they can live a life where they just are always feeling guilty because, you know, I have high standards for myself and I don't even meet them. And I can just beat myself up with my, you know, I don't need, I don't need anyone to beat me up. I'll beat myself up, <laughs> you know. And, and that's not a healthy guilt, um, but it's something that can happen. And, and, and this is a person that sometimes might think, you know what, I just can't forgive myself. But here's the thing about forgiving ourselves. I am not the authority on whether I should be forgiven or not. I'm not the authority on whether I should be forgiven or not. And, and I don't go to me as the authority for my forgiveness. I go to another source. And then there are those who feel guilty because they've lived outside of how God has intended them to live. The two types of guilt. One guilt is uh, a self-imposed or imposed by others. And it can also be imposed by man-made rules, regulations, whatever. Uh, there's that guilt. And then there's the genuine real guilt, which is the guilt that we have when it is because we've offended God. And so what do you do with guilt? What do you do with it? How do you handle it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at that today. We're going to turn to Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, we, we have this guy called David. And he, uh, he helps us discover how to receive God's forgiveness. This psalm was written over 2,900 years ago. Written by a guy called David, who's a king. And David uh, wrote this psalm after he was confronted um, by a man of God called Nathan for what David had done wrong. And David had done some bad stuff. He had committed adultery, he had committed murder, and he was in a position of power and he abused his power for his own pleasure. He abused his power for his own pleasure and, and, and you think, this guy was guilty of sin <laughs> and guilty of sin, but there was grace. There's mercy, there's forgiveness. So Nathan, this, Nathan's this man of God, I reckon he had guts because he had the courage to speak to King David who could have just off with his head, you know, like that little show, and off with his head. It could have been, that could have been the end of him. But Nathan had the courage to confront David the king and expose the truth. And David had nowhere to hide. And we see that what we see in this psalm, as we get to it soon, what's going on. You see, David had blown it. He'd, he'd blown it big time. And um, there's a, there's a, there's, what this psalm describes, the, the word is not actually in the psalm, but what we discover as we look through this psalm, there's a, there's a word that the Bible uses that is a beautiful word. Um, it's a word that when people hear it, they think it's a bad word. And people think that this word is a, a word that 
conjures up religion and rules and regulations and, 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 and restrictions and that this word is a, is a word of death. But the truth is, this word is a word of life. This word, when it's practiced, when we practice what this word is, it brings about passion. It brings about freedom. It brings about life and goodness. It brings about our, our own spiritual health. And that word is repentance. And repentance is a word that has just had such a, has got such a bad rap. But it is a beautiful, powerful, life-giving, passionate word that actually brings about life for us. It, there is a bit of pain in repentance, but ultimately it leads to life. And so repentance, what's it involve? Repentance involves taking our guilt to God, turning to God, and receiving forgiveness. And that's the three key points of today's message. Taking our guilt to God, turning to God, and receiving forgiveness. And uh, whatever guilt we feel, here's the good news. Here's a little poem I made this week. Whatever guilt you feel, God wants to heal. Whatever guilt we feel, bring it to God who heals. And Nathan points out David's sin. And what we see in this psalm and in a little proverb that we're going to look at today... We see uh, for us, in order for us to, to experience the blessing of forgiveness, we need to go through the process of repentance. And in repentance, there are three things that we must stop doing, two things we need to start doing, and one thing for us to receive. Let's have a look at the first one, which is taking our guilt to God. In taking our guilt to God, before we get to it, let's look at the psalm itself. Psalm 51, it says, For the director of music, so here you go, Jordan. For the director of music, for the worship leader in David's uh, worship team, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So that's the heading of the psalm. Then we get into it. Verse 1. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away or my iniquity. Here's some beautiful big words in here. Uh, and then cleanse me from my sin. This is his prayer. Now there's some big words there, but here's what David's doing. David is, before God, taking responsibility for his wrong. The first step in repentance is to take responsibility for your own wrong. And this word transgression, transgression is simply just crossing the line of the way that God intended us to live, to transgress, to cross the line of the way God intended us to live. Iniquity, big word, it means to twist, to manipulate, to deceive, it means to bend, to distort, that's what iniquity means. And so it's to distort and twist um, or, or, or bend to our way of thinking, the way God wants us to live, but it's, that's not how... We, and then the word sin, you know, here's how, I remember, here's how I think about sin. Sin is a word we don't use much these days, but sin, what letter is in the middle of the word sin? The letter I. I am in the middle of sin. 
I, the I could stand for idolatry, where the I stands for you know, idolatry, anything else that we put above God as first in our life, that's sin. The I is also, I'm in the centre of sin because I, sin is selfishness. Sin is self-absorption. Sin is living for self, not living for God. So David recognises in this, in his, in his you know, offences against God, he recognises that he's transgressed, that he's done iniquity, he recognises it. So, so what do we do? Firstly, we take our guilt to God. And um, here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing to stop. The first thing to stop is blame shifting. Blame shifting. David says this, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Here's what David doesn't do. David doesn't say, it wasn't my fault. Bathsheba made me do it. It wasn't my fault. If Uriah had, to, had have been there, I wouldn't have done it. Um, David doesn't say, God, it's your fault. David doesn't blame shift. He takes responsibility. And there are a few ways that people can blame shift today. And as I say these, you might think, oh, gee. And by the way, this isn't the time to be thinking, oh, I know that person does this. That's not what this is about. Oh, oh, this is before God. Can you just have a think? And is this something you do? Is it something you do? So here's, the, here's a couple of things we do. The first way we do it is we justify our sin. We might say something like, you know, I'm not greedy, I'm just thrifty. <laughs> I'm not proud, I'm just assertive. So justifying is blame shifting. A second way we blame shift is to shift responsibility where we say, it's not my fault, they made me do it. And the third way is to say something like the accuser is exaggerating by saying, you know, I'm not as bad as you say I am. David doesn't blame shift. David takes responsibility. And he basically says to God in Psalm 51, 4 and 5, he says this, so God, you are right in your verdict and you are justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time... My mother conceived me. Now, he's not blaming his mum. He's not blaming his mum. But what David is doing is he's taking responsibility and he's recognising that before God, God who is holy and jealous and love and compassion, but also judge and the one to whom we will give an account one day with our life, that this God is whom God is who David has offended. And so David owns it. And so to receive responsibility, the first thing, we need to take our guilt to God, stop blame shifting. The second thing is we need to stop um, self-pity. Now, self-pity is when we focus on the mess that we've made. And it's, woe is me. We focus on the mess we've made and we don't actually consider that, actually, it's not about me, it's about what we've done for God. That, 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 that there are times in our thoughts and in our actions, in our words and, and what we go about, that, that, that we've actually offended God. And so David actually um, starts to have a grief over, not himself, but over his sin and the, and the hurt that that's caused to God. 
you think about this, David had, David had wronged Bathsheba. He had wronged Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, by killing him. But David ultimately had wronged against God. And this is the one whom, God, whom uh, he recognises he needs to apologise to. He abused his power for himself and David grieves God. In Psalm 51 verse 4 it says this, David says this, this is interesting, against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now, we know here David's heart's breaking. He, he knows he's done wrong against Bathsheba and Uriah, but ultimately he knows he's done wrong against God. And this is what we need to realise ourselves. For us to have freedom and passion and life, we need to recognise our wrong against God. We, 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 we need to do that. Um, and, and, and that... Our sin breaks God's heart. Our, the, the, the things where we don't honour God first and foremost, it, it, it breaks his heart and it grieves him. Take your guilt to God. Not, it's not about self-pity. That's right. It's really important. The third one is to stop beating ourselves up. Um, stop beating ourselves up. You know, there is a view that if I beat myself up enough, Surely uh, this will make my wrong make up for my wrong, and no one will ask me for anything else. But here's the thing: We're beating ourselves up is a rejection of the grace of God. When we beat ourselves up, it's rejecting God's amazing grace and forgiveness for us. And so, don't go there. Three things we need to stop: blame shifting, self pity, and beating ourselves up, self-flagellation, some people call it. Now, Tim Keller uh, has written a book, Tim Keller from New York, uh, New York pastor, wrote a great book in 2002 called Forgiveness. And I would encourage you, if you want to go deeper in this topic, it's a cracker of a book to read, and it has been very much the guiding and inspiration for why Sam and I are doing this series on forgiveness. But Tim Keller has said this, he passed away just earlier this year. But he said this, True repentance begins where whitewashing, nothing really happened, and blame shifting, it wasn't really my fault, and self-pity, I'm sorry because of what it cost me, and self-flagellation, beating ourselves up, you know, I will feel so terrible, no one will be able to criticise me, End. Let me say that again. True repentance begins where whitewashing, blame shifting, self-pity and self-flagellation or beating ourselves up end. What's Keller getting at here? In order for us to actually receive the forgiveness of God, those, those things cannot be involved. Do you get it? It's, it's about taking responsibility. It's about owning up, taking responsibility for our actions. That's when forgiveness can flow, when we own up before God. We just reel with Him about the real issue, and it's about us. It's about our heart hurting His heart. And that's where it all starts. So that's the first part of of repentance, and it's the first step in receiving forgiveness. The next, the next part is is um, 
we find the answer in this turning to God in Proverbs 28, 13. We're just going to go to Proverbs 28 for a minute. It says this, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Here's the wonderful thing about God, and we just sang about it. There's no shadow, he won't light up. God will reveal. God knows. God knows everything about us. There's, there's nothing that we can hide from Him. God's, God's, God's eyes are searching right now throughout the earth that He might strongly support those whose hearts are fully His. But this verse is so powerful because it actually gives us the insight into what this passion and life looks like. In order for us to experience His forgiveness... There are two things we need to start doing. And the first one is confess. And to confess means to make a full and clean admission of what we've done wrong. A full and clean admission of what we've done wrong. You see, confess is the opposite of conceal. To conceal is to hide. To confess is to admit. To confess is to open it up. To bring it out in the open. To... to, 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 to get it out of just this secret. To get the secret out and get it out to God. Who already knows anyway? Um, so that's the first part. The second part is to renounce. Now that's a word we don't use much today. But the word renounce, it means to fully forsake our sinful behavior. Both in our heart attitude and in practical action. That's, that's what renounce means. And um, in other words... In other words, our heart must change. Our heart must change. It, our, we, we, when it comes to the, the, the way that we've offended God, we have to see it for what it really is, that it grieves God's heart. It breaks his heart. And that needs to break our heart, that it grieves his heart. The one who loves us the most, we grieve, we, we've grieved him. And, and, and when we recognize that, and our heart changes... Because it's only when we see that our offences have hurt God and hurt others that we can experience life, the life God intended for us. So what does this look like? Well, let's look at some practical examples. If you steal, you must steal no longer. You must use your hands in whatever way you work. Whatever way you work, you must use your hands to do right and to do good. If you tell lies, you don't tell lies any longer, but you, with your mouth, you speak truth. You don't distort the truth, you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What does it mean? It means that we no longer live for self, the I in the middle of sin, we live for God. That's what it means to renounce our sin. So... Two things to start, confess and renounce. The confession is the admission and the renounce is, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go, I'm going to turn from that and live life. And then the third and final step of this, how do you receive forgiveness? Well, you just receive it. Receive forgiveness. Receive forgiveness by rejoicing in God's mercy. You know, for my own life, I was a kid who... Um, struggle with guilt I had a bad temper and 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 there was a bunch of stuff in my life that I was feeling guilty over and it wasn't until I trusted in Jesus 
as the one who paid the price for my sin, that that's when I experienced forgiveness and freedom. I had to go through these steps. Own it. Go to God. Let him forgive me. And even since then, over the years, there's, as, as I've got older, here's what happens. As I've got older, God has revealed even more things to me about my character that need transforming, that need to change. And, 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 and the older I get, the more aware I am of my sin. Not less aware, the more aware I am. And then I go, God... I didn't see this about myself before, but I see it now. Can you please just help me, change me? But Lord, I own it, I recognise it, and I can see it for what it is. It's, it's, it hurts you. And this is the, this is, this is the joy of, of knowing Jesus, is he continually transforms us to become more and more like him. And he is gracious and good that he will continue to transform us to become more like him. So I want to invite you today, I don't know where you're at, whether you're watching online or in the room today, I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Jesus, but I want to share two passages briefly with you to wrap this up. Romans chapter 3 says this, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right, in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. When Jesus was on the cross, he died for us. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life for us, shedding his blood. You see, here's the good news. Jesus died for our sin. He died for your sin and my sin. You know, many years later, one of the best buddies of Jesus, his name was Peter. And Peter preached the very first sermon of the church. Jesus had died, risen again, and gone to heaven. And Peter had the privilege of giving the very first message. And when he did, people said, Peter said basically this, you know, Jesus died on a cross and rose again for you. For you, for you, for you. He did that. And then the people were cut to the heart. They, the Holy Spirit, God, convicted them in their heart of their wrong. And they said, Peter, what are we going to do? And Peter said this, Repent and be baptised, each and every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Be baptised in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that was, that was the first message of the Christian church. What about you today? Have you gone on this journey of repentance and this journey of receiving God's forgiveness? And I believe there'd be people in the room today, you need to take that next step. For some of you today, you need to be baptised. You need to take that step and let Jesus wash away your sin. I'm going to lead us in prayer, then we're going to have communion. But during communion in the next song, uh, myself and some elders, we're going to be at the back and we'd love to just pray for you. If you'd like to come for prayer or you want to have a chat about anything I've chatted about, then you do that. But we're going to, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to share in communion the ultimate, remembering the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. We do this every week. This is all about forgiveness. God's mercy and grace for us. Let me pray and then we'll share in this communion. But if you want to 
want further prayer, you come. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your life, for your shed blood, for your forgiveness. We thank you that we can remember you and thank you each week. Our hearts come to you now, Lord, and we do confess to you our sin, our wrong, our attitudes, things this week where we've, we've blown it. We've offended you. Lord, we thank you that you are gracious and merciful. We thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood and that your body was given for our forgiveness. We remember you now in this moment in Jesus' name. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.